Welcome to the podcast arm of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Peculiar People's Parish, based in Regina, Canada. Our mandate is pursuing His purpose, pronouncing His power, and proclaiming His praise. You can subscribe to our podcast channel today, so you never miss an episode of our podcasts. Be blessed by this teaching. In your presence, we do not take it lightly. We thank you that we know that where two or three are gathered in your name that you are there. So we say thank you for gracing us with your presence. Holy Spirit, come and do that which only you can do. Open our eyes to see. Open our eyes to see. Let us not leave here the same way we came. Let us encounter you in your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good evening, church. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to church this evening. Um, it's time for Bible study. If you're joining us online, good evening and welcome to church. We started uh, a series last week talking about um, biblical principles for financial freedom. So we're talking about financial freedom in this month during Bible studies. And we're relating that to divine insight. So we're trusting God that as it concerns abundance, as it concerns, you know, abundance in, in life. And we learned last week that it's not just money. That God will open our eyes to see and he would teach us more things, teach us things that we did not know so that we can experience um, we can experience abundance. Before we go into the study today, I want a couple people to tell me, and if the ushers can please just take a couple mics around, what did you learn from last week? What did you gain? What is something you learned last week from last week's Bible study? And if you're online, please, you can drop a comment also. We're going to take that. What did you learn? What is one thing that stood out to you from our Bible study from last week? Anybody? Okay. If you were in church last week, can I see your hands? If you were in church last week, ah, praise the Lord. Okay. Now I can point. Okay. What is something you learned last week? We had a speaker from Saskatoon and we had an amazing time. Was it just an amazing time and then we forgot? No. We didn't forget, I'm sure. Okay. Who wants to go? What did you learn last week? One, yes, thank you, Anita. Thank you. Put God first. Any other person? Any other person? I'll come to you. Okay, Sister Dockers. Dockers, and then well, there's one here, and then we'll, we'll start today. Yes, what did you learn? Okay. You should seek aim of doing things, and all other things will be added unto you. Thank you. Know who you are and seek him and follow his ways. Yes, my dear, you had your hand up. What did you learn last week? 
how to spend, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, how to spend your money. So today we're going to continue that conversation and we're talking about abundance in the kingdom. Okay, so our text, uh, we have a couple texts we're going to read today. Our text is taking the first text, 2 Kings chapter 4 from verse 1 to 7. 2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to read from verse 1 to 7. If you find it, 2 Kings chapter 4. Okay, I'm going to read. Now there cried out a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elijah said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in thy house? And she said, Thy handmaid had not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. Verse 4. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and thou shalt pour out into those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, and brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass that when the vessels were filled, she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel, there is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay thy debt, and leave thou and thy children of the rest. Praise the Lord. So that's the first story we're going to read. Second story, John chapter 6. John chapter 6, but I'm not going to read all of it. John chapter 6. So make sure you open your, I guess it's projected. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. I'm going to read from NLT and I'll read from verse 3. Then Jesus climbed the hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip for he knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew Simon Peter's brother spoke up. There's a young boy here with five belly loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed to the people. Afterward, he, afterward, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that there is nothing wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with the scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barely loaves. And the last, the last scripture we're going to read, Matthew 25 verse 29. Matthew 25 verse 29. 
To those who use well what they are given, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. From those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Praise the Lord. Now, we're going to begin with the very first um, story in the book of Kings. So in that story, the, the wife of the prophet, her husband was dead. She had two sons. They were in debt, and um, they were going to come take her sons. So she went to meet Elisha and told Elisha what's going on. And Elisha asked her one question. The first question he asked her, he said, what do you have in your house? And that's where we're going to begin today. What do you have in your house? Now, this winter was very, this winter was very intense. And sometime during the snowfall, one of those days, I was thinking to myself how I landed in this place. I was just meditating. How did I get to this place where it's minus 300 and I'm covered in snow? And then when I was thinking about that, it occurred to me that growing up as a child, I've always watched um, foreign movies. So growing up as a child, they didn't let us watch a lot of Nigerian movies because my parents felt they had too much, they were too fetish. But we watched a lot of foreign movies. And one of the things I saw in the movies that I liked was this snowfall. So, you know, you'd watch all the Christmas movies. There's beautiful snowfall. They have the winter sweaters. They'll gather around the fireplace. So beautiful. And from those experiences, I know that somewhere in my heart, I said desiring to go abroad and have this experience of a white Christmas. <laughs> and the Lord who grants the desires of our hearts in abundance, he did that for me. And so that's part of, you know, how I, how I got here. But then I was thinking about it. You know, the movies that I watched, like, I don't know if it's just me, but how many people watched, if you watched Christmas movies with Snowfall before you came here, let me see your hands. You watched them. Thank you. Please, if it's just me, tell me. Did you, in any of those movies, was anyone shoveling snow? Absolutely not. I didn't see anybody shoveling snow, nothing. So, sorry? Except in Home Alone. Oh, okay, okay. Except in Home Alone. So, I didn't really notice that, you know, they shovel snow. I just thought, you know, it'd fall beautifully and it would just, you know, kind of disappear. I didn't know that. Did anybody know that you would drive on ice and that you need winter tires and you'll be sliding? Please, please. Nobody. They didn't tell us. Thank you. So it, when I was thinking about that, one of the things that now stood out to me was that was, you know, maybe I, I, for lack of word, I'll call it packaging, is that winter was presented to us in such a way that it made it so desirable. And now I am living in the center of my desire and I'm wondering how the heck did I get here? Because... It, they made it admirable. They made you want it, right? And so you wanted to go abroad. You wanted to experience white Christmas. You know, people will even, you know that time, if you happen to go abroad, you want to go during the Christmas time, you take pictures in the snow and all of those things, and then we'll be wishing, oh, God, when will my turn come? Here my turn has come, and I'm wondering who's going to shovel the snow. So I recognize the, the excellence with which they've done what they did that they can take something that is not 
if you're staying here, it's like, winter again, that you can trivialize. But somebody can take that and see value in that, package it, and present it in a way that makes you spend thousands of dollars to come and get that experience. So when I thought about that, and the Holy Spirit said something to me, he said, do you realize that abundance first lies in your mindset? It lies, it begins in your mindset. It's not a function of how much money you have. It's not a function of how much you earn. That it starts with what? A mindset that these people, they think differently. If you are rich, people that are rich, people that walk in abundance, think differently. And forgive me today, I'll be talking a lot about money. That's the aspect of abundance I'm talking about today. So money. That it begins with your mindset. So I said examining my mindset to see what is it? What is it that I can tweak? What is it that I need to change in my mindset in order for me to access what abundance? So the first thing we'll talk about today is cultivating the mindset of abundance. Cultivating the mindset of abundance. And the first thought that was given to me by the Holy Spirit is that everything that I need, what I need in order to live in abundance is already given to me. I want you to think about that. What you need to experience abundance, what you need to live in wealth, financial wealth, is in you. It's not outside of you. It is on the inside of you. So you came with a deposit of that, that seed on the inside of you. When God created man, he said what? Be what? Be fruitful and multiply. Can you bear fruit without a seed? No. So if he commands that I'm, I should be fruitful, there's a seed inside of me that has the capacity to what? To grow and to spring forth and bear fruit. Now, he didn't just say be fruitful. He now said what? Multiply. So there's something in me that can grow, that can bear fruit, that can multiply and bring abundance, a enable me to enjoy abundance. I want us to project Matthew 25, 29, but I want it in King James Version. Matthew 25, 29. So think about that today, that what you need to live in abundance is on the inside of you. The Bible says, for unto everyone that has shall more be given, and, you would, and he shall have what? Abundance. So if I recognize that I have something, that's the first step, that God has placed it on the inside of me. One of the biggest challenges I find is that for most of us, like the, like the wife of the prophet, when we are asked, what do you have? Our first response is what? I have nothing. I can't, I'm not, I can't sing, you know, like Tasha Cobbs. I can't sing like IBK. I don't have a gift. So at most times, our first response, especially when you are not graced with maybe the, in quotes, what we term visible kind of gifts, is your first expression is what? I have nothing. That's what she said. And then she now remembered, mm, but a jar of oil. So today, I want us to think about what is the jar of oil that God has given to you, that you came to this earth with. You have a jar of oil. 
you have a jar of oil. There's something God has placed on the inside of you that has the capacity to bring you into abundance. You can choose to believe it or you can choose not to believe it. But walking in abundance begins from that mindset that you have what you need. I want you to say, I have what I need. Say it like you believe it. I have what I need. The problem with not believing that is that you can't search for what is not missing. If you don't believe that you have it, you won't search for it. So when I believe that I have something on the inside of me that God has given to me that has the capacity to bring me into abundance, then it triggers the question, what is it? But if I don't even believe that I have it, right, then I don't search for it. So in order to search for it, I must believe, I must recondition my mind to know that my abundance is not in a new job. It's not in a business. It's not in a higher paying job. It is first a deposit on the inside of me. And when I believe that, then I can begin to search for it. Number two, the, number, the second mindset that we must cultivate is perception, having the right perception. Abundance, your abundance is dependent on how you perceive, how you value, and how you use what you have. Let's say you've all agreed, everybody has agreed that they have something, right? So you have something that God has given to you. How do you perceive it? Do you value what you have? When the prophet asked the lady, she said, what do I have? Just a what? A jar of oil. You can tell from her response that she didn't think it was what? It was anything. It's just a jar of oil. What, it can't pay my debt. It can't do anything. It is just a jar of oil. There are some of us that have certain deposits, certain gifts that God has given to us, but we we just, you know, we just kind of trivialize it. It's, it's, not, it's not a big deal. It's just, it won't do anything. You know, it's just there. Now, if you have, when you begin to perceive properly what you have, you will see the value in that thing. You will see the value in it. Let me give you an example. So we were talking about winter, right? In Canada alone, now this is from Stats Canada. In Canada alone, in the winter months, so this is looking at 2019, so pre-COVID period, Canada made 1.7 billion in four months. This is winter months alone, their tourism. This is winter that if you look at winter, you know, looking at it, you say, there's nothing in winter. Who's going to come and do anything? But somebody else looks at their country and say, well, in these four months, what can we do with what we have? What we have is winter, but we know that something can come out of this. What can we do? So they have winter sports. They have winter wonderlands. They have different things you can do. They portray it to us. They sell it to you wherever you are. And then you fly from your hot, warm country and spend millions of dollars here in the winter that so many of us would despise. Perception. Perception. One, one that blew my mind away is Dubai. What, what, what's, what is, what's one of the things that come to your mind when you think about Dubai? Sorry? 
Desert. Thank you. What else comes to mind? Sorry? Heat. Yes? Arab money. Yes, heat. Arab money. That's true. One of the first things that comes to mind when, I talk, when we talk about Dubai is a desert. Now, who can guess how much Dubai makes from their desert in a year? Just a random guess. Sorry? One billion? 41 billion. That is true. Dubai makes from a desert. From a, what's in the desert? Thank you. How many people have sand in their house? Sand. Nothing but sand. Thank you. Absolutely nothing but sand. But somebody's perception of what they have brings them $41 billion a year from a desert. If we had a desert, it's easy to say, ha, ah, this is our country, no progress, so we have a desert. Other countries have what? Oil. Other countries have gas. Other countries have mineral resources. We only have a desert. What, what, what can we do with a desert? Nothing much. They could have trivialized it. But a desert brings in $41 billion in tourism. Do you know what they do in the desert? What they do? What they do in, the, in Dubai's desert that people go, keep going to? Yes, what they do there? Thank you, my dear. They ride camel. So people who travel, they ride on camels. You know, there's the, what they call it, I've forgotten the activity, where you use a four-wheel to drive through the, through the desert. So they have different activities packaged properly and sold to you to come to a hot desert and you spend thousands of what dollars. They make, do and they make so much money. Do you know how much, we're going to use Nigeria as a case study, um, Nigeria is a country in West Africa. For those that don't know, Nigeria is a country in West Africa, and they have a lot of oil and they have a lot of mineral resources. Do you know how much Nigeria made from oil and gas in 2019? Who, who can tell? No? <laughs> I, I'm just, no, I have to put it out there. I have to. Okay, so Nigeria made $34.2 billion in one year. This is from oil. If someone told you that a desert will generate more money than oil and gas, would you believe it? If somebody told you that a desert of sand will give you more money than oil and gas, would you believe it? So my question to you today, if you don't take anything home today, is what has God given you that you have trivialized? What, has, what is that jar of oil? What has God given to you that you have trivialized? When I looked at the numbers, it's good to look at statistics. I, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised because I would never have believed that a desert would make more money than oil and gas. A desert, because people have what? Perception, and they know. They say, this is what we have. 
We recognize we have a desert. We don't have oil. We don't have metals. We don't have gas. But what can we do with what we have? They recognized it. They were not crying about what they did not have. They recognized what they had. They valued it, and they decided to do something with what they have. What do you have? What do you have that you have trivialized? You know, sometimes we compare ourselves with others, right? And because of that, we look down on the deposits that we have. We look down on our skill set because for some reason, it didn't measure up. What if Dubai was looking at Nigeria to say, ah, they have oil. We only have a desert. Where would they be today? So see why, see why the Bible says we shouldn't compare ourselves to, our, to one another. It doesn't make sense. If they were looking at other countries that had what they didn't have, they would not be where they are today. What have you trivialized? Have you, ever, have you ever met people where you see that, you see certain gifts in their life and you feel like, oh my God, this is amazing, but the person doesn't think anything of it? Yeah? I want you to give me some examples. I want to I hear some examples. What are some things that you've seen in people that wows you, but the person trivializes it? What? Just wave your hands and then they'll give you the mic. Yes. What are some things that people have? I'm going to check online if we have comments. Yes, go ahead. Okay. Some people take it for granted, but to others it comes so easy, right? Thank you so much. What else? What else do you see in people? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And um, recently I met with a guy and I said, what are you doing in this field? Supposed to be in sport. Mm. He said, it's a factor of where I come from. Nigeria, they don't value it. And it was too late for him. It was too late for him. Thank you. Thank you so much, my Yes, Anita. So I'll speak from the perspective of a career coach, and I'll mm -hmm. say international experience. International experience, okay. Often when I tell people that they have international experiences that they can leverage, they tend to trivialize it, but I want to reiterate that you do have international experience. Mm -hmm. Leverage that. Thank you. So your work experience from wherever you're coming from counts. Don't trivialize it. Thank you. What else? Any other person? Yes, sir. Ability to give. Ability to give. So some people give what? Freely. Yeah, some people just give freely and it's like they are doing nothing. Mm, thank you. Some people give freely. Any other person? Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's take all of that. I think another thing people trivialize is how they make us laugh. Laugh. For instance, yeah. Rokeni always makes us laugh. Mm -hmm. You know, they trivialize. Rokeni, are you recognizing something? Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. People are well organized and take it so seriously. Thank you. That is so true. Some people are well organized. And it's true. The people are so well organized, they don't take it as. Yeah, people trivialize that. You don't really say it as, as anything. Yes. Some people can cook, but they trivialize it. Hallelujah, it is true. 
some people can cook. Some people can cook. And they trivialize it. So true. So true. So it's important that we identify. Am I, is there any other person? Yes. Some people can play the instrument, like play the saxophone, like Brotosin, and they, they trivialize. He's making us laugh again, right? He has found this oil. <laughs> he has found this oil. One of, the, one of the things that I want us to go home with today is that consciousness of what do I have? What do you have? There's something on the inside of you. There's something you have that God has given to you that has the ability to, to bear fruit and bring you into abundance. What do you have? It's important to know that every time God shows up in our lives in order to multiply, to bless us, what does he do? He starts with what you have. When the, the, the prophet spoke to the lady, he said, what do you want? What do you have? She said, just this jar of oil. What, what multiplied the jar of oil? What, what multiplied? It's the jar of oil. When Jesus will multiply five loaves and, give, and feed people, he started with what, what they had. He said, all we have is what? Five loaves and two fishes. That's what he starts with. When God comes into your life, he's just going, he's looking for that little thing that you have. Whatever deposit he's placed in your heart, that's what he wants to multiply and use to bring you to the place of abundance. So it begins with what you have. I want us to take a moment now and I want you to ask God in the place of prayer. It's our moment of divine insight. It is our month of divine insight that God will open your eyes to see in yourself what he has given to you. God will open your eyes. So take this one minute and say, Father, open my eyes. I want to know the deposits that you have made on the inside of me. Give me insight to know. I don't want to go and run somebody's race. I don't want to keep toiling. I don't want to keep toiling in the wrong location, in the wrong direction. Lord, we pray today, open our eyes to see. The things that we have trivialized, open our eyes to see. The jars of oil that you have given to us that we think is nothing. Open our eyes, oh Lord, to see. It is a month of divine insight. Lord, give us insight to that which you have deposited on the inside of all. Lord, give us insight into the abundance that you already have for us so that, so that we won't just talk about it, but we will begin to walk in the experience of it. Open our eyes, oh Lord. Open the eyes of our understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so lastly on that, I would say, if you have a high-paying job and a wrong mindset, you will still ex experience lack. If you have a high-paying job, if you have a high income, and you have a wrong mindset, you will still live in lack. Have we seen those kind of people? We see people who seem to earn so much, but you don't really have anything to show for it. You know why? It's our mindset. Now, if you don't have, if you have some kind of an income, but if you have the right mindset, you will multiply what you have. So it's not a function of 
how much I earn. And I'll say that again. It's not a function of whether I own a business or not. It is a function of my mindset. That's the determining factor that separates whether you live in lack or you live in abundance, your mindset. What do you have? What do you have? If you're so focused, if you're so focused on what, do you, what you don't have, you will never recognize what you have. If you keep saying, oh, I don't sing like this person, I can't make people laugh like this, you know, I'm not organized like this, you are so focused on what you don't have, you will never find out what you have. So it is important to know that abundance first begins with cultivating the mindset and understanding that you have what it takes. You have what it takes to walk in abundance. So that's number two. Now, number three, the third mindset that we're going to deal with is believing in yourself. Believing in yourself. How does your belief in yourself affect your abundance? That's my question. How does it affect your abundance? How does it affect you financially? Believing in yourself, how does that affect you? Or does it affect you in any way? Whether you believe in yourself, does it affect you financially? Yes or no? If you say yes, tell me how. If you say no, tell me why. Yes, there's one hand over there. Does believing in yourself have anything to do with your abundance? Does it affect you in any way? How does it? Um, because if you, if you don't believe in yourself, mm -hmm. then you can never truly, like, even if you recognize the deposit that God has inside of you, and you don't believe in yourself, then you would not really engage that mm -hmm. in you and put it out there because, you know, to your last point there, you keep thinking about all your shortcomings. Oh, well, yes, I can sing, but then I have an accent and I'm worried that the accent might come out in the singing. Or yes, I can do, I can be organized, but maybe I'll never be able to sell to a non-Nigerian market. You know, we start thinking about all of those things and they impact our ability to multiply or put the gift that God has given us. Maybe even self-consciousness, mm. right? Uh, we're self-conscious of the things that, maybe the way we look or the way we smile or the way we um, might appear compared to someone else. And we let that stop us from you know, fully engaging what God has deposited inside of us. Thank you One so much. One biblical example okay. is the way the Israelites saw themselves compared to the giants. So mm. they could not really step into what God had already prepared for them mm -hmm. because of how they saw themselves compared mm -hmm. to the people in the land. Thank you so much. Thank you. Did I say hand? Yes. Pastor has a comment. It can be because of where you come from or the accent or whatever. Whereas those who are maybe managers of ours or people we meet at our work, they are actually depending on us. Mm. We probably know more than them, far more than them. Mm. But because we don't believe in ourselves, it will impact our productivity. Mm. Now, one man of God said something several month or a year ago now that I saw in a video clip that if you have, and it really struck me, he said if you have, if you are someone who likes to always uh, compare yourself with somebody, this was Bishop Abioye in one of his videos, 
you like to compare yourself with somebody, even when you have what is superior, you still feel you are inferior. And that's true. Even when what you have is superior, you'll be looking at the other person who is actually stylishly, secretly looking at you and envying you. You think they have more superior things mm. because you like to compare mm. and say you are, you're looking down on yourself. Mm. Then, if you don't believe in yourself, you can't put your money where you're supposed to put it mm. correctly, and you cannot be productive or make positive uh, you know, uh, increase to one's life when we don't believe in ourselves. Uh, it's, it's, it actually affects everything, not just finances only. It affects how we even live our life generally. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. It affects how you live your life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I'm coming to you. Inside you drives you to so towards success. Another thing is that when you believe in yourself, that's an energy already. Even at the time of things are not working in the proper way, you see, you still have that energy to carry on. And uh, when you believe in yourself, no matter what anybody says to you, even when they talk you down and even the everything is just negative, you still say, no, I know where I'm going. I know where I started from. I know what the Lord has told me. I know what I'm going to achieve. So you have the whole blueprint of everything. So you don't, you are not moved by situations around you, but you are moved by that vision inside of you. So you people are not seeing what you are seeing, but you know what you are seeing. And that makes you believe in yourself that I'm getting there. No matter the time, I'm getting there. So I believe in yourself as well. I put it here that uh, it gives you confidence. It gives you confidence. You just discover that you can't just be down. Even just, you know, situation around, just be there, just to dampen your faith. But no, I'm going there. I will get there. I'm already there. I'm already celebrating. And people will be saying, what is happening to you? Yes, you are there already. It's just a matter of time. Thank you so much, sir. Confidence. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. I saw a hand at the back. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, when you mentioned this particular aspect, I was happy. Because everything you have mentioned before was just revolving around it. And self-esteem is so crucial mm. to whatever we want in life. It's not just finance alone. Mm. Because low self-esteem make you believe that what has worked for others will not work for you. Mm. And if there is a one, if there are ten reasons why you will be successful, you only need one to discourage you, not to move ahead. Mm. And that is how destructive a low self-esteem is. Mm. Now, when you have high self-esteem, I mean, when you look at the coach, coaching industry, the whole of the industry is built on how to build people's esteem up. Because esteem is so, so important. If a coach tells you, you can do it, you will just be doing it. Because you believe him, he has trained you, he believes you are better than the opposing team. Mm. But when you don't believe in yourself, it's so, so, so bad. That's why you see people, they dress gorgeously, but they wear the wrong expression. Mm. You know, because as dressed up as they are, the expression is a reflection of who you truly are. Mm. So we cannot overemphasize the role of self-esteem. 
because of all the things that will make you successful. Mm. Self-esteem is right up there. Mm. When Musk, Elon Musk, I don't like him as a person. That's why we never invest in uh, Tesla. Now, but I, I respect him so much mm. because when he did, when he, he and, his bro and his friend made PayPal and after it was successful, they had to sell it. They sold it and made so much money. He became bankrupt, but he came up again. Became bankrupt and came up again. Mm. That is somebody whose self-esteem is so, so well-developed. Mm. And we really need to take a leap from that. We never can overemphasize the role of how you see yourself. It's Thank so you so much. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And finally, I'll take Brokeni and then we continue. Thank you, sir. Thank you, doctor, for that explanation. I also believe self-esteem helps our, help us to be able to mentally capture the possibilities within us. Mm. You know, uh, in, in when Moses died and God was addressing uh, Joshua, he had to tell him twice, be strong and be courageous. In fact, mm. the second time he said, have I not told you mm. to be strong and be courageous? Self-esteem is what affects us even when we are trying to negotiate our salary. You are scared to say what you are worth. Ah. You, you, and you begin to price yourself down because you think they won't give you the job. Mm. And even sometimes you want to offer your services to people, you are, you, you, are, you are too scared to tell them this is what you want them to it pay you. Because, you. because you don't see yourself that way. And self-esteem, I believe you'll be able to see yourself the way you are supposed to be. Because it is the way you see yourself that people begin to see you. Thank you. Okay, my yes. Let's, let's give it on to Debbie. Our Praise patient. the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, this is not directly in relation to what we are discussing. But as we talk about self-esteem, I want to appeal to us that we should be careful the way we deal with our children. Mm. It will be a disaster in another 20 years, mm. another set of children sitting down, and you begin to encourage them and say, believe in yourself. What are you doing with these young adults? Make sure you don't kill your children's self-esteem. What you are trying to build at age 40, stop destroying it in age 10. God bless Hallelujah. you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's a word. That's a word. That's a word. Thank you so much. And I, I believe we, we, we're paying attention to all of the contributions that are coming because it's important. If God says yes and you say no, the answer is no. And you can say no because you don't believe him. We can say no. As believers, sometimes it's easier for us to believe in God and we don't believe in ourselves. And like, like um, doctor was saying, sometimes unbelievers believe more in themselves than we do. We believe in God, but we don't believe in ourselves. Now, when, when Paul was saying, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ. He didn't say God can do all things. Do you understand? He says, I can. Do you? Can you do all things? Can you start the business? Do you know what's your worth? Do you believe in yourself? And yes, it is true, as Auntie Debbie said, that sometimes, even Pastor mentioned it, is our environment, how we grow up, that's what, in, to a large extent, shapes our self-esteem. So if you grow up where they're always putting you down, you know, they cancel everything you say, every, all your ideas is shut down. 
you are, you, they keep shutting you down. That's how you begin to think of yourself, of no worth. So yes, it is true as parents that we should pay attention to how you are raising your kids right now. Let them grow up with a healthy self-esteem that as believers, we can walk into a room and not be intimidated by what we believe because somebody believes contrary. You're, you're allowed to your own belief. That's okay. That's good. But don't tell me not to believe what I believe. That as a believer, I can come into the room and air my opinions without being intimidated by how much you have or what you're wearing. Healthy self-esteem. It is important. Healthy self-esteem, and that's one of the biggest things that holds us back, is that to, to a very large extent, we don't believe in ourselves. We don't believe in what God has given to us. And like Pastor said, because you don't believe, you don't invest in it. Dubai had to believe that something will come out of that desert in order for them to invest billions of dollars to set it up for people to come. If you don't believe, you won't make the investment. If you don't believe, you won't take the step. If you don't believe, you will not request for that pay raise. And you, you, will be sure, you will keep staying where you are, even though you are worth more. Have you seen people that have little and are so confident? <laughs> You'll be looking at what they have and you'll be like, ah, but I can do better than this. That one is you. They have half, half of what you have. And they're making, using it way more than what you can. Way, way, way more. I remember, <laughs> I remember in business, there was this, I had a product and I was going to sell and I was there, you know, in my Mrs. Perfection self. I don't think it's good enough, blah, 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 all of that. And then someone works in with a similar product of a lower value and a higher price. So she was like, oh, I got this from here, here. Oh, I think it's so nice. What do you think? I didn't even say anything. I was like, yeah, mm, I, I think so. What, what blew my mind was the confidence of the person that had that. Lower value, higher price. She is confidently moving her products. And I'm there with a higher product. I'm there contemplating. Is it good enough? Because I didn't believe in what I had. So it is so important that we believe, that we believe. So that's another mindset that we have to cultivate. So as we go through this, is that you check in your heart, you check in yourself, what do I need to work on? Is it my perception? There are people that are very confident, it's just that they don't know that they have anything. They don't know what they have, right? So theirs could be that they need to find out, identify what they have. There's some other people that they know what they have, it's just they don't value it. Now you need to perceive that what you have is of value, right? So that you can develop it. There are other people is that, yes, you know what you have. It's just that you don't believe in yourself. You don't have confidence to take the next step. So it is important. It is important that you believe in yourself. It is important as parents that we help our children cultivate this strong belief system. Let them grow up believing in themselves. You know, I don't know who we're having a conversation with. There's a little girl that told her you're beautiful and she was like, I know it. And I was like, oh, you know, but some other people, I am beautiful. Are you sure? Oh, it's okay. Thank you, Sha. You know, we're not, we, don't, we don't believe it. We can't even receive compliments because we don't believe that we're worth that. So it is important that we believe in ourselves. We believe in ourselves. 
So number one, so the first section we talked about cultivating the mindset. And we talked about knowing that you have what you need to live in abundance. We talked about having the right perception um, regarding what God has given to you. And number three is believing in yourself. So think about it, go through the list, and make sure that you are engaging and working on, um, you're working on whatever mindset you need to deal with. Number two. Section two, we're going to talk about two ways, um, two parts to multiplication. Now, there could be more, I, I, you know, but today I want to focus on two ways that God multiplies what he has placed in our hands. The first one, I call it borrowing vessels. And I want us to project, we, let's go back to 2 Kings chapter 4. And let's, 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 3. Borrowing vessels. So we're going to go through the story and see how exactly did the jar of oil multiply. You have a question? Um, okay, okay, I'll take your question quickly. What's the thin line between um, being confident, like having good self-esteem, and blowing it like let me give give an example or disrespect for instance or pride thank you very much so how do we like what's the thin line between okay. those two yeah okay who who wants to help us yes sir thank you i was just going to say let's give it to the so thank you sir yeah actually uh, uh, people with well-developed sense of world are hardly ever proud. You know, what you need a sense of what to do is to achieve. Now, pride works in the opposite direction. Pride is, you know, you, know, you might not really measure up to this, but then who cares? That is the, back, that, that's the background of pride. If we would meet people who have achieved, who have really excelled in any area of life, especially in public uh, space, in the public space, there are people with very, very well developed uh, sense of self-esteem. But when you see people who are proud, they really can't get along very well with people, and to really excel in life you need to get along very well with people. The people with self-esteem, if you ask them to help you sweep this place, even if they are the president of Nigeria, they will do it joyfully because they know it doesn't take anything away from them. If anything, it's add to them. They look forward to doing such. I've, I've, I mean, we have all seen situations where we see people and it's, event, it's later, they will tell you that that person is so, 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 so. I've been in a situation where somebody sat, was sitting by my door, a patient was waiting to see me, and somebody came with four people, you know, as, as bodyguards, an army general, and came in. And I saw him, and he went out only to come back again, and the man at the door said, no. When the man that came in originally saw the man at the door, he prostrated, hmm. flat. Whereas the man at the door was just sitting quietly. He didn't come with four people. You know, he could have said, do not go in. 
but he didn't say that because he is a, he's aware of who he is. And when he needs to talk, the, the other man immediately recognizes the authority past authority. Mm -hmm. So eventually, people that are proud are actually different from people with very high esteem. Thank the you. people with high esteem has to be careful mm -hmm. so that they don't fall into the trap Thank of you, pride. Thank you so much, sir. I'll take Pastor and then I'll come to you. Pastor, sir. Thank you so much, sir. So, um, I don't know if this makes any sense to anyone, but um, I've always said that there is um, a positive side to being proud. There is a thin line between arrogance and pride. Mm. For example, a proud person um, will not look for trouble but don't look for his trouble. I don't know whether it makes sense to you. When somebody says, I take pride in the fact that I have spent my money to send myself to school, so I will not let you mess with me. Hmm. They will not, um, they, they won't give you, they won't disrespect you, mm -hmm. but they won't take it from anybody. Mm -hmm. An arrogant person will lie to you he knows he's lying to you. He wants to be, he wants you to believe in the lie, mm. and he's believing in the lie himself. Uh, does it make any sense? So there is a there is a positive side mm. to a proud person. I think I won't use the word proud. I would use the word confident. Thank you. Yes, that's the word, confident. So yes, it's good to have that, that yes, healthy confident where you're not intimidated. Okay, I'll take you, sir, and that's the last comment, and then I'll need to, I'll need to get going so that I can wrap up. Thank you. I think uh, for you to be self-confident and not proud, uh, I think foundationally it comes from love. You're loving yourself. Mm -hmm. You love people. If you love people, mm. you don't disrespect people. Mm. You know, uh, you don't look down on people. Mm. Uh, because you, you put value in, thing, in the right things. Mm. Like, primarily, the people are important to you, your family, friends, neighbors, and all that. They understand that, yes, what you do is give love. And you can't give love to everybody and not love yourself. Mm -hmm. So the same love that you have for yourself is what drives you mm -hmm. to believe in yourself. The same way people around you, you drive them to be their best. You know, people that come to work with you on your team, you know, people that have self-confidence, you know, it spreads, it's contagious. You know, they build you up. They build people. You know, those are the things. But somebody that is proud is looking out for himself alone. Mm. Mm. So, so that's the difference for me. So the person that is proud is just saying, 
yes, you got here before me, like you were saying, mm. but I'm better than you. So we are not equal. Mm. But that is not with somebody that has, uh, that believes in himself. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you for all those wonderful contributions. And I'm sure that answers your question, Bertosin. Okay, I'm going to fly through this and then you just listen. <laughs> Second Corinthians 4 verse 3. So here we, we want to talk about how God multiplies what he has given to us. Number one, she was asked to borrow vessels. Borrow vessels, um, just keep it, yeah. No, keep it, go back to the verse you had, 2 Corinthians 3. So she was asked to borrow vessels from all of her neighbors. What does that mean to us, to borrow vessels? Now, one of, in, in this context, borrowing vessels will be go and borrow knowledge. Borrowing vessels will mean go and do what? Borrow knowledge. So, for example, I want to start a business. My first tax is go and borrow vessels. Go and get books and study about what you want to do. Now, it says borrow from all your neighbors, not the neighbors you like. So the person that is giving me knowledge does not necessarily have to have my belief system. If they have what I need, I should go and borrow from them. The person that is teaching me about accounting and finance may not be a Christian, but if they have the information that I need, I go and borrow. So borrowing vessels, whether it's in your business, whether it's in career, is go and get the knowledge that you need in order to get to where you want to go. So borrow vessels, borrow from all your neighbors, and he says, do not gather a few. So don't read two blogs online and say, I've gathered vessels. That's not what it means. Borrow not a few. Number two, it says, shut the door. Let's go to 2 Kings verse 4, the next verse, please. It says, shut the door. So after borrowing vessels, so you've gotten the books, you've identified the books, the resources that you need, close the door and study. Take time out and study it. Don't just read it. So you have a project is... I want to move my career from this point to this point. This person has done it before. I get a book about that. This, this is what I need to study. I get a book about that. I want to start a business. I get a book on how to start a business. And I begin to watch study. So it says shut the door. Get away from the noise. There's too much distraction in our world. Shut the door. Separate yourself and study. Number three, pour the oil into the vessels that you've borrowed. So they say borrow empty vessels, shut the door so you're studying. Now pour that oil into the vessels that you've borrowed. What does that mean? Take the knowledge that the things you've studied and you've read and now apply it to your own situation. How does that apply to your business? So if, for example, I want to start a business, I want to start a business and I get a book on how to start a business and I'm reading the book. Now I have to tailor my strategies. Okay, I'm learning to do this. How do I apply to it? I'll give you an example. When I wanted to start a business, I had registered a name prior to, I'd registered a name for the business. And then I bought this book. I believe it's called The Art of a Start. It's a, it's a business book. And I was reading the book and in the book it said or it suggested that if you're starting a business, your business name should be two or three syllables. So your business name should not be the grace of God snacks ministries, you know, you know, the grace of God is here or, you know, that kind of thing. So when I looked at the name that I had, it was glamorous, but it was more than three syllables. 
So then I was like, okay, I need to change this. So then I went and I was praying. I was like, Lord, help me. I needed a good name. He said, the name has to be simple. It has to be memorable. That's how I got my business name. That was not the first one that I had. That was not the first business name that I registered. So when you gather vessels, you begin to apply what you're learning to your own business, to your own career. That's what it means. to. It's not everything that would be applicable, but there are certain things that will be applicable. If you, are, if you have a product and you are gathering vessels, you're going to start studying about pricing. When you study about pricing, then you come back to the table and say, okay, now based on what I have learned, how do I price my products? Based on what I have learned, how do I package my products? What's the packaging? What do I have? I would read about the competition. What is my competition doing? This is in relation to business. What is my competition doing? What am I bringing to the table? So I am studying, I am reading, but now when I pour it into vessels, I am beginning to take that knowledge and apply it to what I want to do, whether it is my business or whether it is my career. Yes, it is true that God gave me the oil, but this is one process how the oil must be worked multiplied number so when you're done that you when you when you finish when you have gone through that process of studying of going through you now have a product you can sell so if it is snacks you're selling you have studied about okay you've done the packaging you've done the pricing now you have a finished progress you know how much you want to sell it you know that you have a competitive advantage based on the price now you know that your product is well packaged it looks good and people would be attracted to it now you have a finished product what did the the, um, then the prophet said to her, go and sell. Go and sell. You now have to find out where is my market? Where are the people? I'm, which, who am I selling to? And then you now go there and you exchange the value. You exchange what God has multiplied in the room. You now take it out and then you can sell that. Praise the Lord. Go and sell is, is another topic on its own. Because until you come out with goods and products, you now realize that the fact that you open the store and put products does not mean people will come in. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a different ballgame. I remember when I started my website for six months, I didn't get any sale online. I was like, ah, is it like this? Go and sell is a different ballgame. So you also have to study to understand the marketing, to understand all of these things, social media, and then you go and you sell. So that's the first way that God multiplies us. So if you have an idea and you're not willing to go through the process, then you may never experience that multiplication. Number two, the second way that God multiplies, John chapter one, the story we read about Jesus and the sixth loaf. There are certain things that Jesus identified. So number one, he identified the need that was there is that the people were hungry. So when it comes to giving is that what have you been equipped? What need has God equipped you to meet? Everybody has something. There's a need that you can meet, whether it's in church, whether it's in your organization, whether it's at home. There is a need that you are equipped to meet. What is the need? What need are you equipped to meet? Number two, Jesus knew what he had available. He knew that all he had was five loaves and what two fishes. So what, what do you have? So if there's a need, right? What do you have in response to that need? What do you have? Um, I'll, use the, I'll, I'll use an example of maybe someone who is passionate about snacks and um, 
someone who is passionate about snacks. But then they have two options. You can start a business and sell snacks, right? And get multiplication by, by you know, gathering information and then building the business. But we're going to talk about how that person can still multiply by giving. So number two is, what do you have available? Now number three, Jesus says, tell them to sit down. Tell the people to sit down. He was going to serve them food. There were children in his midst, and he said, sit down. Why do you think he told them to sit down? Because that's a comfortable position for them to receive what he's given to them. It's not enough that you have something to offer to people. You have to present it in a way that it is comfortable for them to receive it. So it's not enough that you have truth. You, if you have truth and you come and you dispense with arrogance, people will walk away and not receive it. So we must, we must pay attention to the audience that we are serving so that we present what we have in a way that is, is more, it's, it's easier for them to, what, to accept. It's easier for them to, to receive what we are giving to them. Number four. Jesus connects to his source, so he gave thanks for what he had. And number five, he started with what he had. He started distributing the five loaves and the two fishes. It's when they started giving that it started multiplying. Multiplication comes when we give. So this is my, this is my example. Um, person number one, let's say her name is Precious. Precious loves pastries. Precious has a passion for snacks. And Precious decides that, okay, this is the jar of oil that God has given to me. I'm going to start the business. So it is dropped in her heart. Of course, okay, go and borrow vessels. So she starts reading books. She starts, you know, researching. She studies, starts a business. And then the business is growing. The business is booming. She sells what she has. She receives value. That's number one way. Number two, there's another sister called Naomi. She also has a passion for pastries and she loves making snacks. But then the Holy Spirit tells her, you're not supposed to start a business. Start a blog and talk about recipes. Give people your recipe. So now she also has a passion for pastries, but she's writing blog posts. She's teaching people how to make pastries. She's giving out what she has for free. What she, what she begins to notice is that the more she shares that information, the more inspiration she gets for more recipes. Now she does that for a period of time. And then the Holy Spirit drops in her heart. Well, you've had over all these recipes. Put all of them in a book. Write a book with, with all of your recipes. Then she goes to borrow vessels, which means she goes to learn the process of how it's what she needs to write a book, how to take the right pictures, and how to sell the book. She writes the book, sells the book. The book be becomes a source of what of income for her. But she did not start by selling. She started by what? Giving. So it is important that you know, how do I say this? It's not good to just copy what others are doing. Abundance is tied to God's instruction for your life regarding what he has given to you. If she, if, if Naomi, our scenario number two, goes and starts selling, she will not do well because that's not her part. But she's still called toward pastries. 
So now she has a book she's selling, and then the next thing it drops in her heart, you can have pastry classes, you can have this. So she goes into this business, she's serving an audience, teaching them to do pastries, doing what she loves, but doing it differently. But it starts by what? Giving. Now on the other side, Precious is doing her snacks, but let's say Precious has a gift, she's singing in church. We also have Precious that does that. And she's singing in church. She's giving her tithe. She's giving her offering. Now, the Bible says, give when you bring your offerings that I will open the windows of heaven. I will pour out a blessing on you. There's some things that you get when you borrow vessels. But now, Precious notices that she gets inspiration. She gets ideas that when she implements, it expands her business. That idea comes because she's given. She's given of her time to God. She's given of her tithe and her offering. So so there is a dimension of multiplication that comes only when you give. There's a dimension of multiplication that comes when we gather vessels, borrow knowledge, and increase our value through study. So that's why it's important that we do both. That's why it's important that we give. Because I believe that giving is a system of advantage that God has created for us to enable us access things that we did not work for. So you give, but you get back more than what you have given. You are given whatever your tithe is, but then, you know, precious, the first precious, she receives an idea that doubles her revenue. It's more than she has given. So there are different ways. So it is important that whatever jar of oil, whatever gift that God has given to you, that you go to him to ask, is this something to package and to sell? Or is this something to give freely until I get to the point where it begins to bring multiplication into my life? So it is important that we give. It's important that we give of our offering. It's important that we give of our value. Giving is one of the major ways that God brings blessings into our lives. Now, there are so many people that are giving and giving and giving. And God, in his mercy, has dropped in your heart so many ideas. God has given you so many things. But because you've refused to package it, because you refuse to borrow vessels, you've not seen You've not received the abundance that comes from your giving. So yes, when you give, God may not give you back money, but he can give you an idea. He can give you a thought. But you still have to go now and borrow vessels, develop it to the point that you can exchange that for what? For, for, for money. You can give that value for an exchange, for abundance coming into your life. So pay attention to the ideas you have. Pay attention to the oil that God has given to you. Let us, um, let's just say a quick word of prayer as Uncle Femi comes up to give his announcement. Father, we thank you. Thank you for an opportunity to study your word today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to identify all that you have deposited in us. Help us to use it. Help us to multiply it and bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were blessed by that teaching. For further inquiries, please visit our website, www.rccgppp.org. You can also check us on Facebook and on YouTube at rccgpppsk, on Instagram and Twitter at rccgppp. If you are within the city of Regina, Canada, you can join us in person at 1771 Bond Street, S4N, 1X7 for a refreshing time in God's presence.